It's a mean world out there. And it's a mean rage. Let's change the culture. Let's change the way we think about this world. Let's have a hell of a time doing it. Welcome to Mean Age Daydream, a home for comedy, a home for some politics, and a daydream of a world that doesn't suck. I'm Brian McWilliams. Welcome to this man world. Hello and welcome to Mean Age Daydream, episode five, of course, formerly known as Electric Liberty Land. Guys, I'm Brian McWilliams. Thanks for joining me here on this epic episode. Oh boy. Oh, Roche, she didn't. Am I right? My God. You know, it's funny though. It's one of those things where I had a whole show planned out and then this drops in my lap and how can I not? But by the way, you can be watching this live. I'm live streaming this show for members of our Patreon, for members of the Lions of Liberty Pride. You can be watching, commenting along. We're going to see. I might take some questions and comments depending on how many people take part in this. Who wants to throw their neck out there for the cutting? But you could be a member of our group, support the show, get all our bonus content, including these live streams, by going to patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty or lionsofliberty.locals. Uh, and you can get in and as little as five bucks a month. Get in, get this content, help support a show, help us grow and give you what you need every day straight into your veins. But I am here. I am feeling better. I was sick the last couple of weeks, went out of town, got sick again. <laughs> Just a real kick in the dick. And uh, so, yeah, I might cough a little bit during the show, but overall, I feel okay. And, you know, I'm really run down. I went to the Met Gala last night. You know, what can I say? As soon as this Roe vs. Wade thing happened, start talking to people about it honestly, booted me right the fuck out. Took about three minutes. I mean, can you imagine? By the way, all these fancy pantsers are there, right? They're out. They're in their beautiful dresses. They're showing off the elites of the elites. Even, you know, dump truck Hillary Clinton's out there, dour face, probably wearing a suit of all burlap and uh, children's tears, you know, ex-rapist pubic hairs. She's at the Met Gala. And there's a great video or a great image of a guy. It's like a younger black man in a mask, you know, picking up the hem of her gown, you know, just to prove it. Just really rubbing who the elites are, what true white supremacy looks like. But... I can't imagine this news breaks, right? If you're, is Matthew McConaughey, I'm curious to hear his take on, on abortion rights, right? The guy's from Texas. He wants to run for governor of Texas. So he's floated out that concept. Was Matthew McConaughey at the Met Gala? Was this, you know, doing this Rovers Wade leak when this came out? Was he looking around like, mm, all right, all right, all right. Maybe I'll just have a drink in the background. <laughs> I keep getting older and they keep staying the same age, 23 weeks. There's a uh, abortion joke for you guys. Also bought a lot of stock and coat hangers. Figured why not double down on that shit, right? But uh, yeah, this road versus Wade thing is obviously set up a firestorm. I'm going to talk a lot about this. A lot of this episode is going to be talking about Roe versus Wade. And then I'll talk a little bit about the uh, government disinformation, you know, the governmental disinformation board, and then a little bit of culture stuff later on, because I caught a show. I was in uh, Los Angeles. I live in Los Angeles. I was in Las Vegas for the National Association of Broadcasters show for work and uh, happened to catch a show while I was chilling on the couch with my dad, who was also in town for the same show. And uh, it's called a black lady sketch show. And I have some thoughts. I'll just say that I have some thoughts. So on to the main content here. Um, Roe versus Wade, right? I mean, it, obviously it's set off 
a firestorm, and this plays into my theory that every single thing is fed to us on a platter that is the most divisive issue in American politics, uh, things that rip families apart. I was just actually on Liberty and Health, and uh, I was talking about this very concept. I think that's going to come out actually the same day this does, so you guys can check that out. Um, but talking about how everything is just so divisive, designed to pit family members against family members, and we've got conservative justices now controlling the Supreme Court, which is why they've now leaked, well, I can say if it's conservative or Democrat justices or their clerks have leaked this decision, basically that they will be overturning Roe versus Wade. Now, I didn't think this was something that would necessarily happen. I, uh, I'm pretty shocked by it. I guess they felt they might as well do it now because Biden is still talking about the possibility of packing the courts. You still have discussions. He has a commission that literally exists for the sole purpose of deciding whether or not they should pack the courts, which raises the question on will he or won't he? I have to think that at this point, Democrats will be pushing hard for him to do it, to somehow reverse the reversal of Roe versus Wade, you know, to, to really get out the vote. And naturally, the leak itself is a topic of some controversy, right? The first Roe versus Wade, by the way, I believe was also leaked when it was announced, right? When it was when they said they were going to put abortion in on a federal level. I believe that was also leaked in advance. However, it does set a dangerous precedent, right? We're talking about essentially what I believe to be a leak that was designed to intimidate. And now there's different theories on this. One is that the leak was to inspire a conservative justice not to flip-flop after this initial draft was uh, was composed because these drafts are composed. They'll come out several weeks later. But as you've seen, you know, they rarely ever leak. Typically, they're kept in-house until the official announcement's made. Now, this could go either way. As I said, could be that they're leaking it because they want a conservative to be pressured into staying with their vote. It could be, and this I think is the far more likely scenario, that it was leaked by a leftist justice. You know, and people are pointing the finger at Sotomayor. Unfairly, we don't know if it's her or not. I mean, she has a record of, of doing very stupid things and saying unbelievably stupid things, as you saw with COVID and a basic uh, non-grasp of the, the very principles of what she's talking about in most occasions. But people are pointing the finger at her. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But I think that this was leaked for the sole purpose of intimidating these justices to try to get them to change their minds. You're going to see mobs of people, without a doubt, rise up. You're going to see protests in the streets. The pussy hats will be coming out of the closet, you know, bang the dust off of them. All of the, uh, all of the death threats to conservative justices that people had penned in advance waiting for this day that have been collecting dust in sock drawers, those can now be brought out so the progressives have a, a ticker tape parade of death threats. That'll be fun. But I will say... The precedent of having this happen, having a leak come out on this level, uh, is pretty astounding. And when you saw, and, and I'm not the one, only one to make this observation, but when you have all this haranguing about, oh my God, January 6th, because a bunch of yahoos went in and farted on Pelosi's desk. And then you've got something like this, which is a legitimate, I'd say a more legitimate threat to democracy. Because when you have January 6th, okay, you got a bunch of jerk-offs. They're not going to do anything. They're not going to overthrow any any government entity. You know, one one bullet was fired and it killed an innocent woman, arguably, by the police officer, right? The people within the Capitol building, you know, unarmed, un, you know, they don't have their weapons loaded. They're not doing anything real violent in there. This, however, I think will lead to distinct violence. I think that you're going to see death threats. I think you're going to see violence occur. I think you're going to see similar, and I'm hopefully not the George Floyd style riots, but something similar in the coming weeks. 
because this is such a hot point issue, right? Um, all right, interesting comment. Leak was from, uh, you know, again, for people that are live watching, the leak was probably to make it old news by the time elections were run. That's possible. It might be that they're trying to make it old news by election time and that it was leaked then by conservatives. That could be an issue. But at the same time, it won't be old news, right? Every election cycle, abortion rights, women's rights are always at the forefront of every Democratic platform or Republican platform, right? If you're trying to rein in, like in Virginia, you know, where the former governor had basically passed what to me seemed like a bill that allowed you to give birth to a living child that would then be killed, right? That was from my understanding of the bill and many bills that are in these democratic states. New York has a similar one. You could have an abortion almost virtually up to the time the child comes out of the womb. And it's very disturbing, right? And I'll get back around to that, but I'll, I'll stick it to the lead concept. Maybe it is they're trying to get it in the rearview mirror, but I think that would be a foolish presumption. I, I don't think that that would happen. It's still going to be at the top of the news. This fight is going to continue on through the election cycles. Now, what you can say, and this is something on the text chain between us lines was going back and forth, is whether or not the GOP should go full bore and say, yes, we're going to ban abortions in our states, or if it's a smarter tact, an attack that I would more agree with personally, which is to say, you keep it up to, you know, like you adopt the heartbeat, a heartbeat bill. Uh, or my own personal preference would be you know, we have technologies now in place where you can see brain activity, brain function. To me, if you can see if the if the heart's beating, if there's brain activity, that is a person, right? That's a living being. And, you know, I had made this observation on Twitter. I thought we got more of a response, actually, because I think it's a pretty interesting juxtaposition. But the concept that when you look at state-by-state state issues, right, and this is what this is, the, the, the ruling, and I'm going to read a little bit of it, the ruling does not say that abortions are just banned federally. That's not what it says. It basically is saying we're returning this to the states. And there, let me read an excerpt from you. This is from Judge Alito's uh, opinion, which is the one that was leaked. And this is uh, two paragraphs quoting directly. For the first 185 years after the adoption of the Constitution, each state was permitted to address this issue in accordance with the views of its citizens. Then, in 1973, this court decided Roe v. Wade. At the time of Roe, 30 states still prohibited abortion in all stages. In the years prior to that decision, about a third of the states had liberalized their laws, but Roe abruptly ended that political process. It imposed the same highly restrictive regime on the entire nation, and it effectively struck down the abortion laws of every single state. As Justice Byron White aptly put it in his dissent, the decision court represented the exercise of raw judicial power. Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. Its reasoning was exceptionally weak, and the decision had has had damaging consequences. It is time to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. The permissibility of abortion and the limitations upon it are to be resolved, like most important questions in our democracy, by citizens trying to persuade one another and then voting. So... This is what Alito is prescribing. Now, a little bit of the irony of it is that people are saying that by overturning Roe versus Wade, that we're somehow being stripped of democratic process, that, that this is unprecedented to go back on what was already set in the Supreme Court ruling. However, that is absolutely not true. And in fact, when you talk about popular opinion, right, we talk about, and, and a lot of the Democrats will say this too, right, that abortion is popular, that the vast majority supports abortion rights in women. That's true. To a, to a point, 
right? It's true to the extent where if you actually look at the data polling, people will say, if you say, are you for or against abortion? Most people will say, okay, yeah, I'm for, for abortion. But when you get down to it, most people, the vast majority of people are actually against abortion if it comes after, say, the first trimester, right? Because then, as I was arguing, and as I think most common sense, most common logic and common decent people would say, after a certain point, that is no longer a clump of cells, it is no longer an evolving organism, that is a legitimate human being, right? But point being, when Roe versus Wade was decided, when this natural, this federal abortion, you know, permission was granted, it went against the majority at the time. Most people at the time did not want to have abortions be legalized. Most of the people at the time were, you know, the, the nation was vastly more conservative than it is now. It's vastly more Christian than it is now. So when we say that it's going across a democratic or a majority principle, well, that's simply not true. And the Supreme Court's function is, in fact, to stand up against these democratic majorities, right? Because all throughout history, and I make this point with slavery, I make this point with free speech all the time, when you have the majority rule, you have tyranny. We would not have freedoms from, from slavery if you had pure majority rule. We would not have free speech with free majority rule because you have the people in power who are deciding in the majority dictate what is and is not hate speech, which is and is not speech you can be arrested for. And if anybody dared to speak out to go against those norms, even if they are correct, even if they are, uh, have a vision for the future that in fact turns out to be the greatest thing in the world, well, the people in power that control those levers and the vast majority of people may not understand it, may not, may not comprehend it, may hate it, or may just be comfortable in their situation and not want to allow that to happen, right? You have to have the check on that. And that's what the Supreme Court's purpose is. It's not to decide what happens in the country. It's not to be the arbiters of everything that happens in the country and decide which way we go. It is simply to be a check on that vast ruling majority, right? When it comes to democratic process. So that's what we're doing. Now, let me get a sip of water real quick. My throat's a little dry from being a, I said this damn sickness coming back. Now, getting back to something, I and I, I got into this, but I got off of it, but something that I'd thrown out there on Twitter, and this is where I thought I'd, I'd kick in the hornet's nest a little bit, and I'm interested to see what some of the reactions are. But I would equate, right, you've got capital punishment. Capital punishment is essentially the state condoning the killing of a human being. That is what capital punishment is, and it is a state-by-state issue. Right. There's no federal ban on capital punishment, even if I wish there were, because so many times it gets it wrong. Similarly, now the Supreme Court is returning capital punishment to abortion. It's a state by state issue and capital punishment. Really, when you get down to it, it is the uh, capital punishment for the sin of being conceived. Right. That's what it is. But at the end of the day, it is still whether it be an adult or a child or a unborn baby, it is still the state giving permission for you to kill another living thing. And in this case, a human being. Now there's a lot that you can say, you can, you can argue against that and say, well, you're getting a little bit too cute or oh, it's not the same thing or, oh, you know, I, I understand. I understand. Also, you, I, I could also get while you say that, you know, that my analogy is lacking in numerous ways and there's a lot to impact. I can understand that, but still at the end of the day, and I want, I just want to emphasize this. It is the state giving power to someone to kill another person legally kill that person. And this is something where I have a lot of issue with Democrats and, uh, or I should say progressives and the pro-life crowd, you know, explicitly pro-life crowd, not acknowledging that what this is, and again, past a certain point, is explicitly murder. 
um, and not acknowledging that that has such a deep impact on so many people, especially parents. I myself am a parent of a two-year-old daughter. Um, I will give you full access behind the curtain. You know, when we got pregnant, my wife and I were trying to get pregnant. Then we had a lot come up and we decided we were going to wait. But we didn't start using protection or anything. We, you know, we, we just, you know, had sex randomly one night and then it turns out my wife got pregnant. Now, I happen to be here typing actually in the Lions of Liberty forum about abortion, arguing for that, that you should be able to have an abortion to a certain point, right? Literally typing it as my wife walks in and she's crying. And I say, what's wrong, honey? I, I'm, I'm very confused. It's in the morning. And she walks in and she says, you know, I'm pregnant. And I'm happy. I, th- I said, "Why aren't you happy?" And she said, "No, I'm 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 scared and I'm worried and the timing's bad and I'm you know I th- I was I've been up for the last two nights. I've been up for two days and I didn't tell you and I've been up every night just thinking and worrying and and she considered having an abortion for our kid because she was scared. Now thank God she didn't go through with it. You know because my daughter is the light of my life. She's the best thing ever to happen to me. Every morning when I wake up, she is the thing that makes my day so much better. She's the best thing I see at night. And I've got another one on the way. I couldn't be more excited, right? So when you're a parent, seeing the process come through, you have a different understanding of what abortion is. And and, and my, you know, I don't know when I was younger, if I was 24, 25, you know, if I would have viewed abortion differently, if I would have said, I'll have it up till, you know, whatever, second trimester. But I'd like to think that I would have still had a similar perception of it. But for progressives to simply say, well, it's a woman's choice and it's her body, you should have no say in that, is twisted when these very same people will argue that, you know, putting a dog down in a too early in a shelter is, is evil. And they'll they'll go and kidnap a dog that's, you know, that's being, uh, you know, kept in a garage, right? Say, okay, well, you're for saving a puppy, right? Would you be okay with somebody going up to a pregnant dog and, you know, jamming uh, metal utensils in it and, you know, mixing up its little baby dog eggs and yanking them out of them? Well, what if the dog wanted it? Still good? And I'm sure they would be aghast by it and think it's a horrible thing. But yeah, we have no problem doing that to, to people. And to not acknowledge that murder and the murder of a, a baby, especially when you do have so many people that are willing to adopt, is going to viscerally rip people apart and just paint it as a veneer of, oh, women's rights and you can't do it. You can't have a say if you're a man, which is, of course, ironic because we, I thought we were beyond the man-woman paradigm. Well, it's it's twisted and it's sick. And it's one of the problems I have when I try to speak to progressives is that they are unwilling to acknowledge some of the points being made by the other side and simply, you know, yell and, uh, and it's hard to reach. Now, a couple more things I just want to add into this, right? So one of the things that I am for when it comes to abortion is a exception when it comes to rape, when it comes to incest, when it comes to an unviability of a fetus, right? But that raises further questions. And actually, again, this is something that I was thinking about when I was walking my dogs this morning and uh, how he had just texted. <laughs> and that is that you go, okay, well, you know, and he voiced this. I'm not saying this is all women, but he said, well, you know, if a woman's okay with getting a late-term abortion, you know, or getting an abortion to, to, to kill a baby in her, um, why would I not believe that she would lie about rape to make it happen? And I had a very, very similar thought when I was walking my dogs this morning. Um, and that is a question that I don't know how you resolve. It's also a thing where, as libertarians, we have to acknowledge, we say, we say this all the time, in that just because something is made illegal doesn't mean it goes away. We have to acknowledge that there will be untold suffering caused by any ruling of this nature. Now, that suffering, instead of being uh, inflicted on a baby in a sterile environment, might be inflicted on the mother and the baby in a non-sterile environment. 
We might have more mothers dying. You might see some accidental deaths that are coming up because people are going to have these back alley abortions. As the old phrase goes, you're going to see people uh, finding ways. And yes, if you have other states that permit it, that's going to be a little bit better because they can at least go to those states and get them. But putting it at least in the state's hands, I still think is going to be a greater good uh, than to have a federal mandate on this, right? And Maybe this will wake people up to the 10th Amendment and realize that, yes, you can, in fact, you know, our friend Michael Bolden, I debated giving him a quick call today, but our friend Michael Bolden, who, of course, advocates for the 10th Amendment Center uh, and does wonderful work there, he would have a lot to say about this because he's been fighting for states' rights in the 10th Amendment forever because abortion is not a constitutional issue. It was made into one, and this is another argument. You know, I read about, I read the first 20 pages of Judge Alito's uh, opinion on this, but it was made into a constitutional issue. It is not. There's nothing in the Constitution about abortion. People are saying that it somehow gets into Fourth Amendment rights, which I still don't, I don't know. I, I don't really see that. You know, the Fourth Amendment is about uh, fighting back a bunch, about search and seizure, about your uh, your property being, and your person, of course, you know. So I guess you're saying you can't search and seize something from someone's person, but no one's seizing anything from you in this regard. They're stopping you from killing someone, you know. Um, so I don't know. The Fourth Amendment to me doesn't really hold up. There's been a couple other weak arguments made for other amendments that do also don't really hold up. But to say it's constitutional is fundamentally flawed. Uh, there's just simply nothing in it. And when it comes down to you know protection of life, I don't know. They, this is something that Alito said in his opinion. I don't know. All uh, purported standards of operation, right? They're supposed to protect people's lives. Well, they've been found that they didn't have to step in to save someone's life and they couldn't be held liable if they didn't. So it doesn't seem that the state has any reason to also get in there and protect life on the other side of the equation, right? But still, to the point, there's nothing in it about abortion on either side when it comes to the actual act of aborting a baby. So there's no constitutional standing for it outside of saying it's not in there, so it falls to the states, right? So it falls under the 10th Amendment. There you go. Easy peasy Japanesey. <laughs> there you go. That's what I can talk all day about abortion, but probably the easy peasy Japanese is what's going to get me canceled. Now I've seen talk about civil war resulting from this. I don't, I doubt it. If there was a civil war, obviously the pro-life side would win because they can restock the troops. But um, bum you're going to have more babies. <laughs> so eventually you're win. you just got to wait them out. Right. You crazy progressives, you're going to lose the war. But, you know, I don't I, no, I don't think there'll be a civil war over this. It does perhaps accelerate the concept that the United States should break up. I'm still for that concept. I think it's probably going to resolve things far more easily, far more cleanly than uh, other situations. And, you know, point being in this regard, when you have issues this divisive, it's best left up to the states because you can leave. You can go somewhere else. You can opt to move. And people always argue. And I fucking hate this argument. People argue, well, you know, some people just aren't able to leave the state, right? And yes, you'll say, Brian, you're a hypocrite because you talked about how much California sucks and you don't leave the state. Motherfuckers, I'm able to leave the state. I can leave tomorrow. I am in a position where my benefits outweigh my drawbacks to stay in this state right now. But to that extent, when we talk about the ability of somebody to travel to, let's say, get an abortion, to travel to get a new job, to travel to find better circumstances. Don't tell me they can't. They can. I live in California. We have 
a million people a year, you know, come across the border from a hundred different countries that have been traveling on, you know, barely anything, barely any food, barely any water across deserts that are, are being raped along the way. And you're and legitimately raped, not maybe made up rape to get an abortion rape. You're telling me that you can't travel a couple states over. You can't you can't rent a car and go a couple states over to get something you need. You can't go a couple states to move. I mean, if you're if you're so poor, you're working McDonald's. I'm sure you could find another McDonald's. Is the point? And simply saying that somebody that we have to keep laws in place because well, what are the people? What are the people that can't move is horseshit? And I don't I don't buy this argument. But again, this echoes that we simply do have the alternative of breaking up, of people finding this. And this is the best option is to have state by state, because if you force these things on people, right, if you force people to live by the exact same rules all the time and have no escape, you know, granted, you could go out of country, right? There's an option. You could go out of country. But the more choice you have locally and how to deal with your issues, and as far as choice to move, to stay, that's going to make you have a better relationship with your neighbors, with your countrymen, with your entire state of being. So more power in the state's hands, less federal power. Uh, what next? Um, talking about the filibuster, right? That's another thing that Democrats have thrown out there, right? Joe Biden said they'll fight for this, fight for this. You've got Pelosi out there stumping in, Chuck Schumer stumping for the filibuster, right? We're going to get rid of it and we're going to, we're going to tear this back. We're out of the Supreme Court. Well, Manchin has said no, Joe Manchin. Who, by the way, I think would be the smartest pick if the Democrats want to have a chance in hell. They need to get rid of Kamala. They need to get rid of Joe Biden. They need to run, run Joe Manchin. He's a guy that I could see even some Republicans jumping ship for if Trump ran again. I think that he has proven himself to be a man of principle. And he still has much of what the Democratic center, not the loony progressive left, not the extremists on the left, but most of what the Democrats want to see. And I think that you... Don't be surprised if you see him toss his name out there. You heard it here. Don't be surprised because this is another move to solidify that because he knows the vast majority of people do not want you to be able to access abortions throughout the entire pregnancy. But then, you know, also, will the court get packed? Right. I had mentioned that commission before. If the filibuster is off the table, I don't know. How quickly can you do that? They've got the votes, Right. They've got the votes to do well. I guess they have to have Joe Manchin. Well, Joe Manchin go along with it. It's a question, but you're going to see a lot of conversation about that too. And then, you know, the the irony of all this too is, is funny. As I said, you know, it's funny because we had the women's march during the Trump era. And then we were told that you can't make a difference between women and men anymore. And then you have all these men winning, winning women's sports, even though they have girlfriends and have dicks. And now you've got the, the outrage because quote-unquote, men are taking away the rights of, quote-unquote, women, right? That's what they're always saying. And, and I've, see, I've seen this tweet a million times today. How dare men have an opinion over women's bodies? My, you know, my progressive friend who posts the stupidest liberal shit in the world had a dumbass post today about it, you know, say, ooh, stay away from women's bodies, not your choice. Well, number one, there's, you know, women on the Supreme Court. Presumably, Amy Cohen Barrett or Coney Barrett voted for this. So a woman, woman had a, a voice in this a woman who I think has like seven kids. <laughs> so, you know, her vagina has seen a lot of action. Could have a lot of opportunity there to get up in there with some uh, some gadgetry. But she decided that that wasn't the way to go. Also, we're also talking about, again, men and women again. 
How do we get back to this biological uh, divide? I thought we were past this. I thought we were in a post-gender society. But yet, men are supposedly the ones telling women what to do with their bodies. Never mind that it's not just men that are anti-abortion. Uh, it is a... I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's probably more men. It probably skews to that side because men cannot give birth. It's our channels get demonetized and, and banned again on YouTube for this, but no, men cannot give birth. So probably false that side, but there are vast amounts of women out there who just simply don't believe that you should be killing babies. And, you know, regardless of when that is, you know, and I'm not a religious person, right? A lot of people I know believe that birth begins at conception. A lot of uh, people I know have, have found religion. I am not one of them. Not, not yet. You know, maybe I'll contract a disease and I'll turn, turn tail, but I'm not there yet, but a lot of people are. And you're going to have a hard time convincing those people that you have to keep your hands off a woman's body when, as we said earlier, there has to be acknowledgement of the fact that you are ending a life. How far along that life? Well, I don't know. It's debatable, but you are ending a life, right? And, you know, if you can't understand that basic concept then this is a no, this is basically a non-starter. And that's why it's so, again, important to bring it back to the states. Because when you have an issue like this, which is purely, you know, it's like it, from an ideological standpoint, it's like trying to push two magnets together. There are certain people who I could have a conversation with about my views on abortion and how I think that, yes, you should be able to have one, right, early on. And they will say, nope, you are fundamentally flawed. God views us as a sin. You are evil. You are fucked. Get out of my face. I will not listen to anything you have to say. All right. Same thing on the other side. It's a woman's right to choose. How dare you say yada, yada, yada. But meanwhile, you know, there also is this thing in our society where the left especially wants to abdicate all responsibility and all risk. Right. When it comes to every policy you see, it's an abdication of risk. Right. We want a full nanny state to take care of you. If you don't have a job, we're going to pay you forever. Uh, you're going to get a uh, universal basic income so you don't have to work. If you want to go to college, we're going to pay for you to go to college. We're now no longer having A, B, C, D, F in school. It's just pass, fail, or even something stupider just to push people along. You're no longer allowed to discriminate as far as who you hire and who you're fired. You basically can't be fired anymore. Uh, you know, <laughs> abdication of risk. Same thing when it comes to pregnancy. Well, if you know you don't have to worry about it, that you took the risk, and even if you use birth control, when you have sex, it's a risk. Period. That's a risk. So you took the risk, right? The reward was that you hopefully came, but you took the risk, and there has to be some responsibility with that, and that's what this is going to return to. Look, you have to have some acceptance of responsibility of what you did, of the actions that you took, and the outcomes that could potentially come from that. So you know. It's your body, your choice, but you made the choice, you know, early on. You made the choice to have sex, and there could be consequences to that. All right, that's my take on things, guys. So feel free to tweet at me, at Brian McWilliams, if you want to continue the conversation. I'm sure you can find my tweets. I'm most interested to see what people think about the the juxtaposition of capital punishment and abortion um, and what people think of that, kind of waking people up to the analogy that this is still state-sanctioned murder, right? That's what it is. It's state-sanctioned murder. And 
actually, I want to I want to talk about a little bit more of, of that topic because there's something you know. This show is called Mean Age Daydream, and it's the daydream of a better future, right? But at the same time, obviously, this this you know I had to talk about this topic. I do think it's going to lead to a better future. I think it's going to lead to more choice and less deaths uh, for children. Of course, we know disproportionately when we talk about again things that you think the left would care about more when we talk about minorities. We talk about especially black children. Now, a lot of abortions take out black children. There's some talk about the founder of Planned Parenthood and how uh, this whole abortion scam was to take out that that population. TBD, whether or not that's actually true or not. I've heard both sides of the story. But before I go on to my uh, my next few topics, you know, I was thinking about one of the things I'm going to be doing on this show, and I was going to make a little intro for it, you know, mean age daydream or something like that, but I haven't done it yet. So I was sick all week. But one of the things I was talking about is, you know, what is the daydream? Because we have to start prescribing what is the better future, right? And this is, again, I think I'm going to write a book on this. I'm going to get these topics collected and my thoughts collected on them on how to sell the vision of the future, right? What is the dream? And one of the dreams I have is that when we talk about the state, in its existence, right? We've heard people talk about how it's a mafia institution, right? And I think that's an accurate description. The state essentially exists to inflict pain. And a future I see when we get rid of the state or at least minimize it to the smallest aspect it could possibly be, right? Because I'm cognizant of the fact that getting rid of the state is scary to some people. I'm all for it. You know, if I could push the button, I would push the button 100% in a second. But that's scary to people. So we talk about what's the future, when we can minimize the state or eliminate the state, you are eliminating pain. Because you think about every interaction the state has, it is pain. It causes pain. And yes, you can argue this even for the good things, right? I'll give you examples, right? When you talk about poverty, when you talk about the state, we talk about the ways and programs that exist to help people. Now, these programs, number one, exist at the pain of taxpayers. They exist at the pain of business owners. They exist at the pain of people that are working hard for that money, which is taken away and given to other people. Now you could say, Brian, this is for charity. It's a good thing. I would argue it's not because I would argue that the people you're trying to help with this money very rarely benefit from it. And in fact, you are eliciting more pain in them to keep them eligible for that money. When we talk about people that are extreme poverty, we talk about people that have been number one, typically separated by the state, by state rules, by the drug war, separated by the state for, for policies that may or may not, like, I don't know people's situations. Maybe they're separated from their children because they were abusive. But half the time, those people are not abusive. Half the time, they're separated because they had a drug issue, which of course the state made illegal, or they're, or they're just caught with drugs. Or maybe they just got too many parking tickets and they got a warrant out that they could put into jail. The point is the state, more often than not, is the pain that has caused them to be in that position. So now how does the state help out? Well, here you go. I'm going to give you a little bit of money. But that's just eliciting more pain because now you are dependent on the state. Now you have to view the state. You have to report to the state, which is pain in its own right. Knowing that you are owned is pain in its own right. When you think about any process you go through in your daily life where the government's involved, are you telling me that there's not pain involved in that? Are you telling me that it's not a process that elicits time and energy? It's exhausting. It's consuming of your money. It's consuming of your personal time on this earth to deal with the middlemen that are endless. 
and dealing with the pain of trying to get anything done, trying to keep your business running, trying to get your kids to go to a, you know, a decent school or trying to get your kids homeschooled and the pain that the government puts you through because it wants to punish you for trying to separate yourself from the body politic, right? This is the point. Government exists to elicit pain. That pain point can come in any number of ways, time, money, jail time, separation from loved ones, you name it, they're going to lay it on you. But the government exists to elicit pain. This is something I want you to remember. And I want you to think about that when you talk about everything in your life. And I know this doesn't sound like a positive concept, but it is. Because if we can get rid of this, we can get rid of the pain. You know, what we talk about, we talk about free markets, when we talk about liberty, when we talk about free interactions with people, we talk about minimizing the state, we're talking about the solution, we're talking about ibuprofen to dull the pain as much as possible that the government is looking to inflict on you. And that is the future. The future is one with as little pain as possible in your daily life. Speaking about... Look at this fucking segue. Speaking about as little pain as possible, guys, I want you to check out a libertarian company. It's fantastic. It's called Paloma Verde CBD. PalomaVerdeCBD.com. They've got your CBD gummies. They've got your oils. They've got your tinctures. They've got your solves. It's run by a lovely libertarian couple. And best of all, you can get free shipping on $75 of an order uh, or more. And if you use promo code ROAR, Roar like a lion, you can get 20% off of your order. So go to Paloma Verde CBD. Now I'll spell that P-A-L-O-M-A-V-E-R-D-E-C-B-D.com. Promo code Roar, 20% off your order. We don't have a pain-free society yet, folks, but that pain-free society is coming and you can make it a little easier by checking out the CBD. Help us with the show here. And by the way, if you guys are interested in being sponsors on the show, we've got a spots, uh, a couple spots open right now. I know we're going to be starting back up with um, IP Vanish very soon. But for now, if you want to get in, we've got our three shows. So hit us up. You can email uh, any of us, uh, brian at lionsofliberty.com. Let me know if you're interested. Happy to promote you on the show and uh, tell the world about your pain mitigation exercises. Now, Let's talk about this government disinformation board who is run by a woman. I'm not going to I'm not going to not going to pull up her video, but my God, this woman, somebody was calling her uh, Dolores Umbridge, right? What's her damn name? Hold on. Nina Jankowitz, who has previously worked as a disinformation fellow at the Wilson Center and yes, advised the Ukrainian foreign ministry on their I don't know, messaging the very same Ukrainians that just admitted. And this is unbelievable because like the New York Daily News had run a story about how the ghost of Kiev had finally been named. We found out who he is. And the next day, the Ukrainian government was like, um, no, we made that up. Made that up. Now, Twitter did not ban the New York Daily News. Now, granted, Elon Musk is taking over Twitter. And I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, just a tidbit at the end about Musk, but I shall say it now. The polling that came out about Musk taking Twitter, the majority, including Democrats, said that he will do a better job with it. There you go, baby. All these fucking idiots that are crying about Twitter and free speech, all these dipshits on mainstream media saying, oh my God, what could happen to this oligarch covering it? Well, guess what? The free market speaks. People are happy about it and they're going to keep using it even more so. And I'll tell you what, I'm 
more into Twitter now, knowing that I'm no longer being shadow banned, I'm far more into Twitter. And I so I'm sure you guys have seen your followers go up. I've seen my followers go up. I've seen my tweets get far more interaction than they used to. So there you go. Proof's in the pudding. But this woman, Nina Jankowitz, right? She has this psychotic video of her singing. And of course, she's singing along to Mary Poppins, which I guess nobody realized because they're saying she's Dolores Umbridge. I'll call her Mary Poppagandans, right? <coughs> so Mary Poppins of propaganda. A spoonful of goes to Kiev sugar helps the medicine go down. I need, I took some medicine for this. Out of the throat, gets dry. So anyway, this Biden administration own to pretend that this governmental institution, you know, on disinformation, which is under the Department of Homeland Security, by the way, the same organization that is supposedly working with our Facebooks, with hopefully not Twitter anymore, with Instagram, with, you know, God knows what else, all of our social media platforms to fight, quote unquote, extremism, extremism, which is, of course, never defined extremism, which they did not, as I've said before, did not create a bill for, did not create a law for, did not create anything that could be opposed by Congress because this is intentional. They wanted to farm it out to private companies to avoid the checks and balances, to avoid things like the Fourth Amendment, right? So they create this board and it's supposedly to fight disinformation about things like Ukraine, that Ukraine war, which as I just pointed out, there's propaganda that is being parodied by mainstream media sources that is complete and total horseshit. Well, they're now going to have a board to, to make sure you know that that's, you know, might not be bullshit and, you know, whatever else they want to tell you. Now, the GOP is saying, well, this thing's ridiculous, as they should. But I will guarantee you, should the GOP take over, in, you know, whatever, two years, which I think they will, well, I can promise you they're not going to defund it. I can promise you it's not going to go anywhere. Just like none of our spying apparatus have been removed. None of these spying apparatus that was put into place under the Obama administration, none of that's going anywhere. Ted Cruz voted for the NDAA. Ted Cruz, who had, you know, had, had supposedly been a libertarian fighting for our rights. Well, Ted Cruz was one of the people that said, oh, no, we got to go ahead and pass this NDAA. NDAA. We got to make sure to keep all these spying things in place here. The Republicans have no interest in reigning in the security state. This is all bullshit and theater. The only thing they're scared of right now is that it's going to be used against them in the short run, which it is. I guarantee you it is. And it's not only disinformation about the Ukraine. I'm sure it'll be across the board. It'll be about COVID. It'll be about, uh, they said, no, a funny thing is they're no longer calling immigration uh, or illegal immigration, illegal immigration. Now it is, uh, hold on, let me find the exact phrase for it. Irregular migration. <laughs> that's the name for it. <laughs> Irregular migration. I guess that's the the PC term. That's the, uh, the gobbledygook, you know, garbage salad term for illegal immigration. It's just irregular. It's not illegal, guys. It's not that they're literally breaking the law at this point in time. And look, think what you want about the borders issue, right? It's still illegal at this point in time. But no, it's it's, it's irregular. It's like, what do we say? Irregular. Is it illegal? Let's go with the regular. Can we say regular? What a fucking load of horse shit. But yeah, the psychopaths leading it up. The fact that it comes into play now, by the way, is no coincidence. Elon Musk buys Twitter. Twitter, which was under their thumb. The government had it under their thumb, just like Facebook. They are dictating. And these organizations have admitted these companies. 
the government was dictating what they flagged, what information was and was not Russian disinformation, they would give them the guidelines under which to operate by. Is it a coincidence that the DHS has this governmental board on disinformation right as Elon Musk's going to take over Twitter, the biggest social platform, the public square? I don't think it's a coincidence to you that he's going to step in and say, fuck this, we're getting rid of this crap. And yet, oh, sorry, man, Department of Homeland Security, we got to go ahead and do that anyway. Uh, it's, it's interesting timing. It's interesting timing, guys. All right. Last thing I want to wrap up the show with is a couple of stuff on, on pop culture here. So two shows, and I've only watched, I've watched two of the one, I've watched one of the other one, but... As I said, I watched a show called A Black Lady Sketch Show. Now, I love sketch comedy. I hate improv comedy. It's stupid. And if you do it, you suck. And you're an asshole. Stand-up comedy, fantastic. Sketch comedy, fantastic. And I will tell you, one of the greatest shows, a show that I will say without a shadow of a doubt, two, two shows really shaped my sense of humor uh, quite a bit growing up. Sketch comedy shows. One was The Kids in the Hall. And that show's coming back. And I, please God, don't believe in you. Please God, don't make it woke bullshit. Uh, that's coming back. And I'm excited to see it. But Kids in the Hall was, you know, five white Canadian guys or six, I guess. I think there's five and a writer. I don't know. But absolutely hilarious. Un-PC, batshit, off-the-wall, crazy experimental comedy Brilliant. Loved it. Saw every single episode. I've got the entire box set. I love the kids in the hall. It's genius. Then there is a living color. Again, in my formative years, the show is on. You've got the Wayans brothers. You've got Keenan Allen Wayans. You've got, you know, we've also made a great movie called I'm Going to Get You Sucker, which is unbelievably hilarious. David Allen Greer's in it. Uh, Dave, uh, from blank on the other guy's name. Incredible cast, right? Incredible cast. Jim Carrey got his start on that show. Awesome cast, male and female, really unbelievably funny. Get un-PC shit, handyman for Christ's sakes. Damon Wayans going, it's handyman. <laughs> really funny comedy, right? But, you know, it didn't to me, I knew it was a, a predominantly black cast, but it wasn't a black show. It's in living color. Fine. Okay. I guess maybe there's a subtle reference to it. Fantastic show. Absolutely hilarious. Holds up to this day. Drop dead funny. But of course now, and I've talked about this before, now we have all this emphasis. And again, you know, I know I'm a writer, I'm a screenwriter. You know, I'm going to, I mean, I am going to save Den Root. Den. I am going to say, I can't speak. I am going to send Dave Rubin my latest screenplay, my feature screenplay. I'm going to kick it up a, a couple places, but I'm going to send it over to him to get it to Shapiro. But I've written sketch comedy. I've done my standup, as you know. And as a writer, though, I can't tell you how frustrating it is because you try to get into the biz, you try to get read, you try to get in, and there's all these different different aspects and ways to do it, getting managers and there's the you know programs and screen competitions. The problem is everything now is you have to be quote unquote diverse. They're looking for underrepresented. So you gotta be a queer lesbo uh Inuit, you have to be a black uh one-legged midget, you have to be, you know, whatever it is. It's very hard to get read if you're a straight white man. Right. Very hard. So this has repercussions. 
And I've said this in regards to how the Oscars roll, like these diversity quotas, and you're seeing this across the board, diversity quotas in any industry are a stupid idea, but exceptionally so in creative industries. Because when you're talking about creative industries, you're talking about an industry that has very few people capable of writing something good that the masses will enjoy or clever or gets the foreign like that really can do it well. There's very few of us. Then of the, of the small people you have, you're now going to say, okay, we're only going to take now 20%, let's say, right? Because you're cutting all the white people are out and all the straight people, you know, most as well, all the straight white people, you're out too. All the straight white men, let's say, you're all out. So now we're doing women, uh, but, you know, it'd be better if you weren't a white woman, so you're out. And we're doing, uh, you know, it'd be great if you had some, you know, you, you were uh, a dude who, who sucks some cocks or a lady that licks some puss or you have a, a tits and a dick. Let's focus on you. So now you've gotten from the 2% of the population that's capable down to the 0.5% that is in your target demographic. And from that 0.5%, you're still going to weed them down and it's still hard getting through the process. So now you're doing 0.001%. And you know what? A lot of the time, it's still going to be shitty because you look at the success rate when they didn't have these quotas and it was pretty shitty, right? Most of the stuff still sucked. Now you are eliminating the vast talent pool that could make something good and focusing on 2% and expecting to churn out high quality content. It's fundamentally fucking stupid, but that's what's being done. And there's a show I'd never seen it before. I'd never heard of it before. Apparently it's gone for three seasons now, which I, I was blown away by, but it's on HBO. I can't find ratings for it because HBO doesn't really reveal ratings unless they're super huge, right? Which tells me that the show can't be that popular. But it's been on for three seasons. I was chilling in Vegas, right? I'm exhausted from a long day. I was golfing with my dad. And I, you know, I see a black lady sketch comedy. I said, okay, cool. I love sketch comedy. Let me turn it on. See what it is. I watched the whole episode. Just one. Had to be the least funniest show I've ever seen in my life. Worse than Saturday Night Live. If you've seen Saturday Night Live recently, worse than that, worse than, I don't even know. There's a, there's a very funny all-women sketch comedy show on uh, IFC. God, I can't remember the name of it. Um, ah, fuck, whatever. They're not sponsoring the show. But there's a very funny all-women comedy show. So it's not it's all women. And look, as I said, it's not that it's a black cast. I don't care. Living Color's genius. This show was so fucking unfunny. I was trying to like, I was trying to find something in it that could even make me understand how it was being made, how they could green light it. It was literally, every sketch was the same. It was somebody in a wig playing, you know, doing a funny voice. And that was it. That was where it stopped. One notable sketch, it was a spelling bee, Aquila and the spelling bee. And it was a, a crusty old chick doing a guttural voice, like an old smoker's voice. And she's like, ah, we gotta come on. I need a ride home. You guys aren't Christian. I, I, none of it was funny. And that was it just over and over. Just a bad voice over and over. My mind is boggled by this shit. And what blew me away even furthermore is that I go to read reviews. I say, I gotta see what people are, are saying about this show. And of course, on Rotten Tomatoes. And this is how you know it's terrible. It's like the opposite of Chappelle's special, right? Which had, you know, 0% from the critics and 100% Rotten Tomatoes. 100% Rotten Tomatoes from four reviewers. Four. That's it. Only four. For a show on HBO, a black chick comedy special. 
And of course, they're all raving. Oh my God, each sketch is as silly as funny and I've never seen women push the boundaries, but they're, you know, for their specific audience. And that was in every article. For their audience. So apparently, content now is being made. High produced content. They're paying people lots of money. They're, they're denying the majority of writers access into the industry because they're only creating content for their specific audience. And I don't know what that audience, I don't know how big it is because the show's fucking terrible. I can't see anybody laughing. I can't see black women laughing at it. I can't see black men laughing at it. I can't see children laughing at it. I can't see mentally impaired people laughing at it. It's fucking awful. But each one of these articles made it a point to make sure to let me know that I am not the audience. Me, Brian, white man, I am not the audience. And thus, my opinion does not matter. And I thought that was pretty fascinating. But check it out. Let me know if you guys watch it and what you think. Please submit yourself to a half an hour for me and just, just so I know I'm not crazy. And then the last thing I want to finish up with, I've not finished watching this show. I've watched three episodes and it's a pirate show, a gay pirate show. And I love the concept uh, and I love the director, Taika Watiti, right? If you're not familiar with Taika Watiti, he had teamed up with Jermaine uh, Clement. He was involved with um, Flight of the Concords, one of the funniest shows ever made, launched the career of that goofy, uh, goofy voice girl that my buddy, my buddy Dan used to date, which is hilarious. Uh, uh, Kimberly Shaw, I think that's her name. She talks like this. Uh, the voice of, uh, you know, the little bunny-haired girl on Bob's Burgers. Show's genius, right? And he's a great director. I like his the Thor films he did, I thought were really funny. Good good films, good director, man. Big big fan of him. And oh my God, the, one of the greatest films ever made, What They Do in the Shadows, right? In the TV series. Brilliant, brilliant. So he rolls out this new gay pirate show. And I have a penchant for pirates. I used to play a game called Quake 2. Rocket Arena. By the way, if you listen, if you guys play Quake 2 Rocket Arena, I got back into it. I bought a shitty $400 laptop just to play Quake 2 Rocket Arena. My name's Spam Boy. Come find me. There's a Discord server. You should come join it. We play sometimes. But I remember, uh, God, I got off track here. Quake 2. How the fuck did I get? Oh, Pirates. I used to be in a, in a Quake clan. I was very good back in the day called Pirates. So I'm like, oh, Pirates. That's fun. I like me some Pirates. The gay pirate show. I'm like, that's a funny concept, right? Because I have a, a script that I wrote for a uh, comedy. It's like, uh, you know, sitcom where I took a line that Patton Oswalt, back when he was funny, said. Patton Oswalt said he just once wants to see a show with a gay guy that's just a fucking imbecile. And I thought that that was hilarious. And I thought, that's spot on. Every gay guy is written as though they are uh, Oscar Wilde. They're never idiots. They're always these brilliant geniuses, quick-witted, oh, because, you know, because you had to portray gays in a positive light. You can portray reality, which is that some are manly, some are womanly, some are stupid, some are smart. You know, gays come in all shapes and sizes. So I said, you know, my script, I said, oh, I'm going to write this gay guy to be a real fucking idiot. Right? And he is a real fucking idiot. That's a funny script. It's gotten some good good feedback, good reviews. You know, I got in quarterfinals, semifinals, a contest. <sighs> Doesn't help me. <laughs> But this gay pirate show, I'm like, okay, cool. It's probably like that. And it's got some good, good, you know, dumb pirates, smart pirates. But spoiler, I guess, you know, these pirates are, a lot of them are gay. Some of them are gay. You know, some of them aren't. You got, of course, a woman dressed as a man in it. Spoiler, you'll know exactly who it is when you watch the first episode. But I haven't gotten to this point yet. Apparently, there becomes a very prominent point in the show where the lead role, uh, which is an actor I love too, the redhead from Play of the Concords, um, he becomes in a gay relationship with another ship captain. Fine. 
I'm all for it. Again, I don't give a shit. Awesome. But only if it's funny. And that's where these shows, and I don't know why this happens consistently, but there seems to be some plague and I wish they could fix it. And maybe I, maybe they, if you hire me, I'll help you. Uh, please, anybody, hire me. I will fucking help your script be funny. And you can be woke. It doesn't have to be either or, but I don't know why. It happens in comedy. It happens in stand-up comedy. It happens in writing. It happens in film. It happens in TV. Every time these people try to be fucking woke, every time there's a woke concept, they somehow lose the ability to be funny. It's like it cannot coexist. I mean, it reminds me of this, you know, the director of The Joker, uh, who also was the director of The Hangover 1, 2, and 3, and um, old school, very, very talented, comedic writer-director, gave up on comedy because he said, you can't do comedy anymore. You can't make woke comedy. It does not work. And you're seeing it. You're seeing it play out. This shit isn't funny. Not even a chuckle. In three episodes, not a chuckle. Not one. Not a not a laugh, not a hmm. Not anything, not even a clever, not anything fucking clever. It's like they get so obsessed with the goal of, of, of sending a message, right? Oh, I've got this concept and oh, I'm going to weave this. Oh, I'm going to be so clever with it. Stop being clever with your concept and start being clever with your jokes. If it's a comedy and it's presented as such and it's got all of these comedic actors in it, can you try to make it funny? Can you can you leave wokeism behind or at least have some un-PC shit in there to mix in with the woke. Because I'm not saying all comedy has to be un-PC, but I think it's some sort of a bug sitting on these people's brains that checks any time they have a funny urge, it clicks on them like a little beetle and it cuts off the neurons. It cuts off the, the transmutation of that thought before it can arrive and be put pen to paper. It's fucking maddening. Anyway. That's it, guys. Thank you for watching. Again, if you want to check this out early and check out our live streams, go to patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. Uh, follow me at Brian McWilliams. Also, guys, listen, if you want some good, real comedy, listen to The Boring Podcast, B-O-H-R-I-N-G. It is weekly. We live stream that as well every Wednesday night. Well, sometimes Thursdays if we get a little uh, lazy, but every Wednesday night, typically at 9 p.m. Eastern. And of course, it comes out Thursday, or it comes out that night usually, but Thursday morning will be available anywhere podcasts are heard. Me, Rico, Odie, and Howie do a great job breaking down some reality TV, some current events. We play some parlor games. We have a hell of a time. Really, really funny show. So check that out. Please support us there. And of course, we've got this feed, <coughs> my feed, Mean Age Daydream. We've got the Lions of Liberty Network with Mark's show and John's show. We're going to be doing another one of our AMA, uh, Ask Me Anything, Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor shows coming up too for the main feed. So make sure, subscribe to both. You're going to get all the content. And if you haven't yet, please do go give me some five-star reviews. Better if you can do a little writing as well as the five stars to try to promote my Mean Age Daydream podcast feed. I'm really hoping, guys, to reach more people to get outside of our sphere and try to get people involved. Liberty Plus is what we want to do here at the Lions of Liberty, right? It's not just Liberty, 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 Liberty Plus to get more people in, to like us, to hear us, and get our point of view and then win them over, not just by hitting them upside the head, but with convincing with sound arguments, some likability, and some fun. So please give me that review. Subscribe to all these feeds. And please subscribe to The Boring Podcast. Give us a review there as well. All right. Cool. That's it. From me, Brian McWilliams, from the Lions of Liberty Network, and from Mean Age Daydream. Keep those electric eyes on me, babe. And keep that ray gun 
to my head. 